Welcome to Disruption Dialogues Podcast Season 2. Listen to the influential leaders and trailblazers from around the world as they share invaluable insights to navigating the fifth industrial revolution. Hello and welcome to another episode of Disruption Dialogues Season 2. I am Shweta Surenda, Vice President Automotive and Mobility at Markets and Markets. Today I'm in conversation with Sophia Velastegui. She's on Blackline's Board of Directors and she's Active's Chief Product Officer, running a $5 billion PL business. Now, Sophia is a highly accomplished speaker and business leader, leveraging emerging tech like AI, ML, data, software for transformative business growth. Previously, she was Microsoft AI's CTO in business applications. She was working on OpenAI and ChatGPT. She's one of the handful of public board of directors who've successfully launched multiple scaled AI products from tech giants like Microsoft and Google. She was also recognized as the most powerful female engineer by Business Insider for her work in AI and emerging tech for multiple years. Sophia co-chaired the World Economic Forum's Global Future Council, which was around business growth through product platforms. She's a strategic transformative leader and has a track record of successful business growth and expansion through both product launches and m and She currently leads a team of about 2,000 people globally, which cuts across engineers, sales, marketing, finance, and other operations. Thank you for joining us, Sophia. We're very happy to have you here today. Thank you for inviting me. It's been an honor to be able to talk more about how AI has also revolutionized and uh, will impact different industries. Indeed. So, um, you know, I think you covered the topic for our main conversation today. With that, let me jump into the questions that we have for you. Now, in one of the previous chats that we've had on the topic, you had mentioned how the industry is moving towards this concept of democratization of AI. And that is really making tech available to a wide audience. So could you expand a little more on that? Yeah, the world was disrupted with ChatGPT because it brought AI to everyone with a computer or a phone. So now machines not only process data, but they can create and co-pilot information along with everyone. But in reality, AI has been around for 30, 40 years. And you see that every time you use your phone or you do a search, whether it be Bing search or Google search. Generative AI is fundamentally different though from earlier waves of AI. First of all, traditional um, tool AI tools, they're really designed and trained for specialized, highly structured tasks that's run by specialists, like a data scientist, machine, machine learning engineer. Now with generative AI, is AI workers, it has this human-like ability to use language, reason, and generate content and make decisions. And this allows anybody that can speak uh, the language, English in this case, to interact and get the benefit of AI. Uh, generative AI is this general purpose that learns screaming fast speeds, and now the barrier of enter entry has lower than ever before. And third, now you see that the adoption is, is unprecedented, first with respect to consumer and then with enterprise. Like ChatGPT mm-hmm. had 100 million users in two months. And mm-hmm. so there's a, Lastly, a capability to scale this across the different parts of the world. You know, that's really interesting. And, you know, I like your take on how commonplace it's become today. Um, on that note, let's expand this further. We know 
like you mentioned, AI is certainly defining new services and that's disrupting traditional industries, but it's also supporting players to really have differentiate their brands. And um, Aptiv is one of the bigger players in the automotive industry. The auto industry, in fact, is one of the best examples of this. Um, given your experience and, you know, the breadth of your career experience across different sectors, could you talk a little bit about how AI enhances performance and user experience? Yeah, so I'll speak across multiple different industries that I've had um, worked with or worked adjacent with. And the first is the rise of AI in customer service. Um, this is sp specifically in my time with Microsoft, where there's these AI-driven chatbots and virtual assistants that's taken center stage in customer service. So Microsoft and Apple have been using this to engage with customer quickly and efficiently 24-7, resulting in that enhanced user experience. Because you are now accommodating to when the user is available and needs their questions asked. Now, the reason why generative AI is, is very interesting is it has to, there's rich customer service products um, that can be launched that people can now interact with not just a set of words and phrases for the chatbot to understand you, but natural conversation, just like you and I are able to talk. And so that you can have relevant customer service and content faster and earlier than before. Number two is we're seeing that also in finance and the power of predictive analysis that's really transforming the ecosystem. Hedge funds, banks are using AI algorithms to spot trends and master, masterfully navigating the complex terrains of investment decision. Like a good example is robo-advisor like Wealthfront and Betterment, where they're making this financial advice more accessible to uh, any investor and the masses. And then recently, Blackline, where I serve as a public board director, announced intercompany predictive guidance, where it's using this first powered uh, intercompany accounting and AI predicts errors in your financial transaction for your company and provides suggestions to prevent them from even occurring in the first place. Lastly, on third, I want to talk about AI in healthcare, how it's really saving lives and reducing costs. Yeah. Imagine an AI system that paints the picture from the thoughts in your brain, from brain scans and decoding it. And that will help us understand our brain more than ever before and provide services for somebody who has disability or a stroke. That was recently found by the researchers at the National University of Singapore uh, around generative AI. In addition, because of the technology of traditional AI as well as generative AI, now you can have AI-driven diagnostic tools that will help doctors by making more accurate and faster diagnosis for people who are not the typical uh, use case and uh, clinical trials being done, like myself as an Asian woman. And in hospitals, AI can become that strategic coordinate conductor to help orchestrate resources for both the patient outcome and experience. That way you have the right expert at the right time so you can really have the exceptional patient care. Right. You know, it's really interesting how you talk about the applications of AI across different industries and bring that to life. Maybe delving into that a little bit. And if we need to, we can use healthcare as a further example or other industrials, whether it's construction or heavy industrials themselves. Um, the question more around is how are the requirements going to change? Are processes going to become more important in these cases? Yeah. So one of the things that you find 
in the similarity is technology can be leveraged. It's a tool that can be leveraged across multiple different industry. Let's just concentrate it on the healthcare and construction uh, scenario. Healthcare can be also uh, similar to other regulatory environment. Construction can be similar to other industrial environment, including automotive. And some of the similarities that come to mind uh, quickly is the data analysis and decision support. Both of them have vast amounts of data, and it's really important to see what is the valuable insights of what is typical or anomaly and how that can help you understand the system. In healthcare, mm -hmm. AI can assist in diagnosing diseases, predicting patient outcomes. In construction, AI can analyze project data to optimize scheduling, resource allocation, and risk assessment. Number two is I see similarities in process optimization. So in healthcare, there are different processes about patient appointments, um, which also happens with construction. And both uh, industry has supply chain logistic and project management. So that's something you can leverage the similarities. Now, some of the differences that you see between the two is that each industry is fundamentally unique. You and I both mm. know this. One of the things that um, I know you thought we talked about how healthcare is a regulatory environment. And that means that there's strict HIPAA and other like private data privacy, patient privacy things to concern. Construction does not have those concerns. So in, in some ways, that aperture of what you can do with data and AI and how it can be served to other people in the construction team is looser and easier to do. Uh, next is domain-specific knowledge. Obviously, and you talked about the process. The process here is very important. Healthcare is about this extensive domain knowledge around medical versus construction is about engineering architectural. Can you apply engineering architectural expertise into healthcare? Not really. And so it's really important to understand these concepts um, and that the AI is trained to understand these concepts and what that means in some of the decision making. Um, and the data source is obviously very different and how you are able to digest it and make sense of that. Right. You know, that's really interesting, you know, the way we see the, as you rightly put it, the application across the different industry, how it varies. Um, it would be interesting to maybe focus a bit more on the automotive industry. Um, and maybe let's think about uh, one of the biggest trends that we see people in the industry getting excited about, which is that whole concept of smart cities. And there's this movement towards this mobility operating system of smart cities having the central brain. Mm -hmm. uh, we know AI is going to be central to that shift. So um, how do you see that panning out? Yeah, first of all, we've been actually, it's been panning out little by little um, over the last couple of decades in the sense that it's extension of the IoT edge device. What do I mean by that? And the cloud services. So we have different devices, whether it's your phone or your a tablet or your laptop that are able to provide signal to the cloud about what we're doing, how we're doing, how we're interacting with our environment. And so a smart city is having that obviously on steroids in the sense that there's a lot more information being exchanged. And how can you manage understanding that copious amount of data without AI, right? And some of the decision making to do that, especially things that's very administrative in nature. This is where AI is very um, shown significant value and can do it in a cost effective way. And why is this like what do I see in the future of a smart city is an integrated transportation system. 
there's too much time you and I were in uh, traffic or in areas where it's not optimal. Is there any way that we can seamlessly go from one transportation system to another, whether it be autonomous vehicles or ride sharing services to um, air, airlines and flights? Traffic management and optimization. If it's well done, you can optimize it for all the different individuals in traffic and commutes. And that's really important because it will decrease fuel usage and reduce emissions for a cleaner environment. And so I see a lot of benefit on that, but ultimately AI will be key to that system because about the amount of data that's needed from the sensors, whether it's your phone or other things, and how to understand it. And AI can do that very quickly and make it seamless so you don't have a huge lag time. So you want the efficiency of smart cities, but you don't want to wait four minutes before it decides, yes, you can cross the street. Indeed. All right. Staying on the topic of automotive, um, you know, from a supplier perspective that Aptive has, um, what are the key requirements that you see your customers asking for? And these could be automakers, these could be technology companies with respect to features that they're trying to bring to the market to enhance the end user experience, whether it's the experience that uh, their customers get within the cockpit, whether it's the experience that they get when they're sitting in an autonomous vehicle, whether it's something around safety. Um, what's your take on that? Yeah. I think the number one thing I see from our customers, as well as the people that are using these products, is a seamless user experience flow and journey that one, one experience doesn't abruptly start and then another begin, but it, it seamlessly flows together. And so that when we interact with the different devices, whether it be touchscreen, voice control, or um, your phone itself, how can you do it in a natural way? And I think one of the things that's really important with ChatGPT, we no longer have to memorize what are the different specific phrases for the system to understand us. We can mm -hmm. use just like different conversations how to do that. I give the example for a thermostat in Nest. There's 2,000 ways to control your thermostat because of all the different aspects of it. And now you can do it naturally versus remembering your phrase. The second thing that's super important for the customers uh, around autonomous system and the concierge services yeah. is security and yeah. privacy. As mm. customers are using this more and more in our daily life, we wanna make sure that there's yeah. security and protection uh, for these products yeah. and the people who are using it day in and day out. We don't want our personal data to be attacked or used in unauthorized access. And then data privacy will become even more important. It's important that you use the data to customize for me, but is it in a way that is like invasive and something of consideration? That's something we have to consider. So ultimately what the customer wants, lastly, number three, is trust in the product, that it will work okay. day in and day out and that's reliable, that we can truly depend on it as a concierge or assistant um, mm. for the products and the services. Right. So that's really interesting. And um, let me expand that question out. So, you know, from your experience, and this is across all the companies you worked with, whether it's Microsoft, Google, Apple, and now Aptiv, um, what are the key products, 
software, the platform offerings around these autonomous systems and robotics that you see coming through across industries? There are four products that come to mind as they're reshaping the industry and really increasing the efficiency, safety, and productivity. Number one is mm -hmm. autonomous vehicle. We talked about that, uh, whether yeah. it be self-driving cars or autonomous features in vehicles, drones mm -hmm. and delivery robots, um, mm -hmm. autonomous buses. And these are things that yeah. uh, companies like Tesla, Waymo, DJI, and Boston Dy Dynamics are doing. Number two is industrial robots. Manufacturers like ABB and in Universal Robots have created these industrial robots for manufacturing, logistic, and assembly tasks, high rep, uh, repetitiveness, or safety, critical, or dangerous aspects of it. Third is autonomous agriculture equipment. Uh, John Deere, C&H have these autonomous tractors and farming, but that's going to happen more pervasively in agriculture for tasks like plowing and harvesting. And lastly is autonomous warehousing and logistic. Amazon Robotics and Boston Dynamics provide these uh, interesting robots for warehouse automation and material handling for speed and accuracy. Right, right. So um, really interesting how you bring all this up. Um, the last one of the last questions I have is, um, you know, do you have any insights on specific strategies um, that, you know, these companies might adopt to really foster innovation and maintain their position as leaders in this field? So one of the things that I have found is that these digital native companies, they have been able to really um, leverage innovation and technology at a speed at a record speed. And that's because they don't just embrace technology like AI, they infuse it in every nook and cranny of their operation. So it's not, it extends far beyond their product and technology team. And it's because they have this fluency associated with it. And they know that technology is accelerating. And if you don't jump on this new, you just don't survive. Yeah. And there are five critical areas that has led to their success. First is their business global alignment. We're not creating technology for the sake of technology. The technology needs to solve something specific to their business goal. Two is really investing in the foundation. AI, you know, even ChatGPT, it didn't just come to be. Microsoft was uniquely positioned because they've been investing in it for 30 years. And it's investing in the infrastructure, nurturing the brightest talent, and refining it through relentless training because technology, as I said, is constantly moving. Third is data and feedback matters. Mm -hmm. If you want to leverage AI, you have to understand data is like an ingredient to a chef. Just as a chef needs an assortment of ingredients to create that beautiful, delicious dish, AI really relies on data as its raw material. It's the quality, the quantity, and the diversity of data that are critical. And that combats biases and banishes hallucination, the AI hallucination you have heard. Mm -hmm. And the feedback loop is needed to ensure that the quality and data-driven method is constantly, constantly being refined. What was okay now may not be okay in the quality level 10 years from now. So the feedback loop makes sure that happens automatically. Fourth is innovation as a habit. They do not leave innovation stranded in this pilot purgatory where you're just investigating, 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 but it never comes to fruition in the actual product. 
they ensure its source recognition by operationalizing it into a solution. And then it becomes part of a new habit and part of the culture itself of the company. And last, number five, is culture eats strategy for breakfast. And what I mean by that is that culture helps define what a company does day in and day out without explicit direction. And it's mm -hmm. important that to get innovation and leverage AI to approach problems as a scientist. Like having the idea of a strong A-B experimentation is critical because there is no failure. Every opportunity is a learning opportunity for continuous learning and improvement. So one is business goal alignment, two is investing in the foundation, three is data and feedback matters, four innovation as a habit, five culture eat strategy for breakfast. Right, um, that's very, very interesting. My last question for you is a little more personal. Now I know you have a very diverse background, I'd like to understand how that's contributed to your cross-cultural understanding and how that's maybe helped you um, as you pushed through with technology innovation in this field of autonomous and robotics. My journey has been a testament of the power of diversity in both person and experience. Uh, I am someone that's been deeply immersed in multiple culture and have had the privilege to work across continents. And it's been profoundly shaping how I view robotics. I was born in Korea, immigrated to the United States. So I'm a Korean American. Um, half of my family now is also Hispanic. And I've lived for most of my uh, life in a multi-generational society, such as a uh, multi-generational family, where my grandmother would use some of the technology I created from Nest Thermostat and to other robotics and ask me, why do I need this? And why it's important? And should you be doing something more impactful in the world? And, but now is a she became a great adopter, uh, adopter of technology because once she got over the fear and some of the concerns, she understood the benefit and how much it enriched her life. Like making that awesome playlist that she sends with yeah. her uh, other friends. I'm also very fortunate to work with my global 2000 people team, which hails from unique cultures and backgrounds and experience around the world that really enrich my experience and understanding. Thank you, Sophia, for a very interesting discussion. And thank you everyone for listening in. Once again, I was in conversation with Sophia Velastigui, um, Aptiv's Chief Product Officer. Thank you, Sophia. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to know how you can navigate and thrive in this disruptive era, subscribe to Disruption Dialogues on your go-to podcast channels and stay tuned for more interesting episodes.